is our theme this year. Think, two months, you won't have to hear that again. All right, two months, you won't have to start every sermon with that. How good is that? Well, today I want to speak to you about live in unity. Unity is vitally important because with unity comes a commanded blessing. The Bible tells us that if we bring the unity, then God will bring the blessing. It's a commanded blessing. So unity is very, very important. I want to go through a passage of Scripture today and break down what unity could look like within church. Now, I think it's strategic to speak about unity right now. See, we've just had a wonderful summer. We had 490 separate people come to some part of the summer. And for right now in COVID, that's pretty amazing. And I was very excited. You know, we had a wonderful time as we came together as a church. And that's what we did. It wasn't a Merge Warner or a Merge Redcliffe or a Merge uh, Moray Field. It wasn't a youth group or the seniors group. It wasn't the intercessors. It wasn't the, the uh, volunteers and leaders meeting. No, it was us all. We just came together as one under one banner, Emerge Church. And we did it to glorify God, to spend time with one another and enjoy the presence of God and hear from His Word. We were one. There was great unity. And as a pastor of the church, I was wrapped. I went away and was just so grateful to God for what was happening at the summer. But I tell you what, the devil doesn't want to give up ground. And in preparing the summit and doing the summit, there was many different things that went on. And uh, so many different things, even on the Thursday night when summit started, we were still having to just organise speakers because of COVID. It wasn't fantastic on the summit weekend or week of summit to listen to the radio in the morning and find out there had been an outbreak in Eaton's Hill and in Albany Creek, right? Fantastic. They're, they're the two suburbs, I just don't want to hear the word COVID and those in the same sentence, right? And, uh, and yet that it was. And I want to thank you for your cooperation and your flexibility in dealing with it as we had to do. But the devil will try and kill, steal and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundant so eventually the devil doesn't win. And I want to say we had a fantastic summer and it was fantastic. It was just wonderful. But the enemy will want to try and steal and kill and destroy that blessing. It's a, and his favourite tactic is disunity. Disunity is what he will do. He will try and get us to fight one another. Now it's a very effective strategy. If you want to, if you want to destroy your enemies... All you need to do is to get your enemies to start fighting each other and then you don't have to do any fight at all. You can just sit back and watch. You know, I've been listening to a lot of history podcasts lately. Uh, Dan Cassidy gave me, uh, told me about this uh, history podcast site and I've been listening to a lot to it. And recently I've been listening to their extensive podcasts and they talk for hours on, on, on subjects and and I've recently been listening to one about all the racial unrest in the late 60s in America and the groups that rose up at that time to stand up for the obvious wrongs that were going on. You know, there was a problem of racism and it was very real and it still goes on to this day, to be honest. But for the first time, the, the, the African Americans started to stand up for themselves. They started to say, no, this is not right. And then people started to stand with them. There were some people like Martin Luther King, who we would know, and he was really about nonviolent protests and, and standing up for those things. There was Malcolm X, who was probably a little bit more radical in what he felt the solution was. And then you went right over to the other side where you had the Black Panthers who thought it was okay to go and kill the police and, and were doing terrible, terrible things. So the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover, didn't like any of those because they just wanted to keep this, the society as it was. Even though there was obvious wrongs and obvious things that were going on, they, they just wanted to destroy that and they wanted it to become nothing. So what they did was very smart. What they did is they went and put people into, uh, into all of those groups. They got agent provocateurs into all of those places and all those people did was try and bring disunity. 
They would try and, you know, cause unfaithfulness to happen between couples. So they would try and sleep with one of the leader's wives or, or something along those lines. They would do things with money. So then people would start to accuse different ones of, of stealing money. They would try and set the group that was in one city against the, the group that were in another city. And it was very, very effective to the point where the nation of Islam and the Black Panthers actually ended up started killing each other. And it was a very terrible time. See, the mood of society at that time was Vietnam and the war and all of these different things. There was a hippie movement that was going on and society was very, very fractured. And society, we think right now that uh, with the things of COVID and a pandemic and vax, anti-vax, all of this other stuff, we think it's divided now. Let me tell you, back then in the 60s, it was really full on, really full on. But what happened is that each one of those organisations slowly dissipated in their effectiveness because disunity happened in each one. The enemy, so to speak, was able to foster disunity. Now, I didn't tell you that story to get all political, but to show you the power of being able to derail an outcome through disunity. There's a plan. God says, I want to bless this church. God wants to bless Emerge Church. He wants to use Emerge Church. He has a plan. He has the right people. There's the right environment. I believe we're in the right season. I believe we've gone from a kind of like a winter into a spring season. I believe that God is going to be doing something and we're going to start to see people get saved in a way we haven't seen, miracles in a way we haven't seen for a long time, unity and growth. And in so many ways, I believe we're going to start to see things happen in our church. So the enemy is going to come, I know, and kind of try and use a way. So he's going to use disunity. Now, to be honest, I haven't seen any disunity right now. There's literally nothing where I can point my finger and go, well, you know, this has happened and I heard this person talking about that person or, or these different things. It's, it hasn't happened like that. But I want to actually kind of alert you to it so that when you see it, hear it, feel it, you're aware of it. Because I've talked about it, all of a sudden you're aware of it. If I were to talk to you about a yellow mini, you would think, I've never heard of a yellow mini. But if I say that today, you'll start to notice yellow minis. You go, oh, wow, there's a few yellow minis around, right? So I want to do that. I want to open your alertness so that when you hear, smell, see, feel something, you can go, ah, I know where the genesis is of that. I know where the beginning is of that. So I'm not going to get sucked into it and go down that rabbit hole. So let's go to the Bible and let's pray. Father, I ask that as we look at your word, that you will speak to us, oh God. Father, in the areas where we're going to have to stand up, in the areas where we're going to have to look at ourselves, oh Lord, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will do something in our spirit so that we're awake to it, oh God, and that we're willing, oh God, to deal with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Almost all unity happens because of pride. Pride is at the very foundation of all unity and pride is the soil that disunity grows in. What happens is that you feel slighted. You feel ignored. You feel not considered. You feel not heard. You feel disrespected. And then you begin to compare. You're gonna say, well, it didn't happen for that person. They treated this, da, da, da. And you begin to compare. You'll see that the parable of the talents, it was actually disunity. What happened is that the guy got one talent and he saw that someone else got three talents, someone else got five talents, and they started to have a lot happening in that. And so they compared their one talent and started to go, I'm not as good as them. 
God doesn't love me as much. God doesn't trust me as much. Look how much they're doing. Uh, I can't do that much. I can't do what they're doing. And so what they do is they hide their talent, bury their talent, and then no one has any kind of benefit from their talent. His pride got pricked. And what he does, he makes an assumption and he makes an assumption about the master who gave the talent to him in the first place. And he goes, that guy's harsh. That guy, he reaps where he, he didn't even sow. Oh, I'm scared. And he makes an assumption about the master that causes him to bury the talent. It was pride and it brings disunity. That's what pride does. It gets you to make assumptions about others because pride activates our internal insecurities And the moment our insecurities get activated, what happens? We either fight or we flight. We either run out and say, I'll take you on, or you go, I'm out of here and I'm gone. And neither of those actually deals with the issue at hand. True unity comes when I can celebrate that God has gifted and graced someone else with abilities maybe more than myself. And I can be secure in that God is gonna reward me for what he's asked me to do, not what he's asked someone else to do. So I'm not gonna be judged because I didn't sing as well as Jason, right? because that's not my calling. I'm not gonna be judged because I haven't done some of the things that Don and Kathy have done because that's not my calling. And you're not gonna be judged because you're not a pastor of a church because that may not be your calling. We're not judged by those things. We're judged by what God has asked us to do. It's very, very important to understand that. So we need to be able to be then happy that someone else has a giftedness that someone else has an effectiveness, that someone else has a fruitfulness rather than see in their abundance our lack. The moment I start to see my lack in someone else's abundance, I start to allow insecurity to come and I'll begin the path, I'll begin the walk of disunity. So can you be happy with the gifts that God has given you? Can you be happy with that? See, the thing is, the parable of the talents, it just means this is where you started. And then if you work with those talents, you'll turn that into two. And you'll turn that into three. And you'll turn that into something else. See, we can all grow. But if we start to denigrate that one talent that we've got, because we see someone else with more talents, then we actually start that place of disunity. You know, we all heard that scripture in Ephesians 4. And God tells us that we've given us pastors and prophets and teachers and apostles and evangelists. And a lot of times they use that talking about church governance and all of those things. But in the context of the scripture, it's actually talking about unity. It goes on and says, do not be as little children. Right, little kids, that's mine. Right, you have a toy that they haven't played with for six months. Their cousin comes over, touches that car. No, it's mine. That's what happens. Or, you know, this used to happen in our family. I won't mention which ones. But, you know, like, they would go, oh, what's his name? Her name, her, him, how you say, right? (laughs) Is touching the TV, knowing they weren't allowed to do that. They didn't care about the TV. They just want that child to get in trouble. And that causes disunity. It's childish. I don't like that. I don't want that. It's not fair that this person, all of those things. The scripture goes on and says this in verse four. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to each other. It's talking about the body of Christ and everyone has their place. We are all different but we all have our place. It's the same body. And that's why it's to see that you, to ever think that you are better than someone else is always gonna bring disunity. Because you're not. You're just part of the same body. We just have different roles. 
We just have different roles. See, I've worked out what part of the body of Christ I am and I get busy doing that. I'm happy with that. I know I'm never going to be a drummer. I know I'm never going to be a, 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 a children's worker. And all the parents said amen to that, right? You just don't want me to do that. I rejoice in the gift that God has given me and I don't covet your gift. Yeah. And you shouldn't want to cover someone else's gift. Just rejoice in their gift. Imagine if my legs wanted to be my arms. It would be really hard right now to have a drink. Think about that, right? There's no way I'm drinking that water. I can't get the sustenance I need because I'm using things out of context. We have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. It's grace. God has given us and He's given it to us in different amounts and different abilities and different ways. So if your gift is prophesying, let him use it in a proportion of his faith. Once again, showing that we grow in things. The first time you prophesy shouldn't be in a meeting like this, right? Where you stand up and give the word and all that shouldn't be the first time, right? There are some people in our church who we know prophesy. They've been seen and they've been tested and they've been seen to be prophets and prophetesses. And so we're happy that they every now and again will do that in a meeting. But if it's the first time, no, use that as you're praying for someone. Start in one person, then maybe a smaller group, and then slowly work up because there's a growth in your gifts. All your gifts are given to you in a seed form. They're not given to you all fully developed and all of a sudden, no, you grow. You grow. Sometimes I look at my old sermons and I'm not, I don't think I'm any preacher at all, but when I look at what I used to, I'm, I'm better than what I was, right? Let me tell you. So uh, you're thinking, wow, you must have been terrible, right? But uh, <laughs> if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. Find your gift and do it. That's what it's saying. If it's contributing to the needs of others, see me. No, uh, no see, it is, if it's, do that, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. See, what it's saying is that like we've all got different gifts. We've all got different things that God has placed in our lives. Do you know which gifts? See, out of those gifts, you'll find that one or two of them are probably your, something that you lean towards a little closer. And so maybe you need to find out that gift so then you can start to use that gift, but you don't know that gift. So if you were to go to Jacinta at a merged church, you'll see it come up in just a moment, just the Jacinta's email address, right? So if you could just Jacinta at emergechurch.com.au, Jacinta will send you a, uh, a gift survey. Just fill that in and then go and see your leader, your pastor, and uh, that'll help you. And you'll find out what gift you have and how to be used in that gift. Then it goes on in verse nine, it says, love must be sincere. See, sincere love is love that's meant, not just love that's said. Yeah. So you've all heard the joke that says, all you need in life is sincerity and honesty. And once you can fake those, you've got it made, right? It's just, that's how some people live, right? They, I fake honesty, I, I fake sincerity, and then all I'm doing is I'm actually just conning people, right? There's got no love in that. There's nothing of sincerity in that. And so there needs to be a sincerity in your care for people. The Greek word translated here means not to, Hide your feelings. It means being true to who you are. So when you show love for someone here at Emerge Church, don't just be nice on the outside and mean on the inside. Just be nice. Just be nice. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So I keep away from what is evil and I cling to what is good. 
Now, when we read a scripture like that in, in the context of this, we can assume and we may assume that it means like don't hang around the right crowd, wrong crowd, you know, don't watch particular movies. And this is right, but it actually means more than that. What's evil? Negativity is evil. Gossip is evil. Manipulation is evil. False accusation is evil. Do, do you hate these things? When, when people start in those type of things, do you walk away? Or do you speak to that? Or do you just kind of get into that? What, what are you accepting in the way that people talk around you, in the, in the way that people express themselves around you? What are you accepting? And are you able to, in a quiet way, just bring all, I just don't like, I'm, I'm, I don't wanna have this conversation. I, 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 there's no need for you to be telling me that. Right, so we have a heart for people rather than a heart for the kind of the salacious, the, the, the latest thing. Don't be a willing party to that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Do you genuinely care for the people at Emerge Church or are you just coming to Emerge Church? Right, we're a body. We have responsibility. You know, I preach a message, yes, we are our brother's keeper and we are. We are family here. It's big and so sometimes good to get into smaller groups to, to meet kind of some of those people with the same interests as you. But what I wanna say, right, like is use after church as a great time to practice being devoted to one another in brotherly love, to honour one another above yourselves. Don't leave straight away. Sit around, talk to someone. Look for someone you haven't met. Do a little exercise that I'm going to introduce myself to someone I don't know at least once a month. Right? Like you said, just you introduce yourself. Have the courage yourself to go and say, Hi, my name is Mark. Probably easier for me, I'm the pastor here. I probably did that already, right? But just go and have the courage. And if someone, right, comes and introduces himself to you for the first time, don't go, what the heck are you talking to me for? Right, be nice, smile. It's a very nice thing to do. It's a great time to practice those things. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual verve Serving the Lord. I love this Denzel Washington quote. It's gonna come up. You'll never be criticised by someone who is doing more than you. You'll always be criticised by someone doing less. Remember that. Right, when you get busy, right, be the most enthusiastic person in the room. Why do you think that we sing praise songs extolling you and trying to get you into action? Like lift your hands in worship, every now and again, you know, occasionally dancing, crazy I know, right? Occasionally dancing, it's to help you with your zeal, yeah. right? It shows a, a zealousness, sitting like this, there's no zeal, right? Now, I'm not gonna judge you, there could be 55 reasons you like this, but if that's your position in praise and worship, Right, like, there's no zeal there. There's no zeal. Right, we want you to have a zeal for God. I want you involved in praise, body, soul, and spirit. I'm talking about serving, have a, have, a, have a zealousness in your serving. You know, serving takes sacrifice. And zealous people, they make it easier, to, they find it easier to sacrifice. See, your zeal for God promotes unity. People who lose their zeal often become cold to God and His ways. And I've always wondered, is this like a chicken and egg? Which come first? Right, the chicken or the egg? What comes first? Do you lose your zeal because you become cold to God or do you become cold to God when you lose your zeal? What comes first? And what I would say is this, is Isaiah tells us that our zeal is a cloak. 
right? When it's cold. Last week, I actually had to wear a cloak. or not a cloak. I'm not like, you know, a spy, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had to wear a coat. I had to find a coat. I actually have one, right? And Because and it was cold in Tasmania, right? But that's what keeps me warm. You want to stay hot for God, it's your cloak. It keeps you hot for God. Have a zealousness about what it is that you're doing. It'll keep you warm to God. Be joyful in hope. What, what's, your, what's, your, uh, what's your face tell people? Do you have to tell your face to be happy? Right? Like him. I have the joy of the Lord. But it's not to tell your face, smile. Smile. I remember once I saw a guy uh, on the plane and I said, hey, how you going? I won't use his name. Right? I said, how you going? Rah, rah. He's like, ooh. He literally grunted at me. It's like someone I knew. It wasn't a stranger, like obviously, right? A stranger can grunt at me, but it's someone I knew. And so... Later on, about a month later, I saw his boss. I said, this guy's like, what's he doing? He's just grunted at me on the plane, right? So he goes, yeah, I'm always telling that guy he needs to tell his face to be happy, right? And the next time I saw him, obviously his boss had talked to him. He was all over me. Oh, Mark, how are you? Can I get you a coffee? Oh, look at this, do that. And I go, well, at least he's listening to his boss. That's good. <laughs> Laughter to me is a thermometer, right? In our staff meetings, I always monitor how much are we laughing? Right, we could be honest, we could get our staff meeting done in an hour. Right? We actually just, you do this, you do that, rah, 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 maybe half an hour. Right? Like, uh, but what happens is that we laugh. Nina is actually quite funny. She comes up with great one-liners. Right? She's always making me laugh. And we all laugh. We have a good time together. When my kids were teenagers, I would always look how much laughter is in our home. Right? Are we laughing? Are my kids laughing? And when I realised sometimes life just got a bit serious and, or people started to kind of segregate and separate and, and one's in this room and one's in that room and I'd always create ways in which we could do something together and then we could laugh. And sometimes I'd have to be an idiot. Sometimes I'd have to do things that I didn't really want to do, but we're going to laugh. I'm going to make sure that we laugh and that we have a good time. It's a thermometer. Joy is a thermometer, right? Church should be enjoyed, not endured, right? And I think it's very important. And I believe that the best measure of unity is when your wife doesn't walk out in the middle of preaching, right? (laughs) It's laughter, right? (laughs) So... (laughs) All right, fantastic. All right, patient in affliction. Oh, she came back. Look at that. (laughs) Patient in affliction. Yes, there's going to be times of affliction. And in a sense, I don't think it's really talking about so much uh, kind of like, Affliction is like something bad happens to you. I just think it's in the area of unity, in the area of church life, right? When, when someone who should have known something and doesn't know something, or they treat you bad, or you are overlooked. I often tell young people in the church who are wanting to do ministry and wanting to, to grow in leadership, I say to them, there are gonna come times and seasons in your leadership growth. There are gonna come times when you will do something, you'll bring 10 people to the youth group and the pastor or the leader will go, oh yeah, they messed the floor up and they moved the chairs and they, and you know, so you think you've done something good and you get rebuked for it. And then another time you'll, uh, I don't know, I won't say that, spit in the pastor's face because I don't want anyone doing that. And the pastor will go, yes, I needed humbling, right? So sometimes you can do something good and not get praised, something bad and seemingly get praised. And if you start to wonder about all those things, then what happens is that you're just not being patient. God's gonna try and see and put you through the test when when you're overlooked, when you're not seen, when when what is good is called evil and all of those things, and God's gonna put the test of when you're praised and when you're going through a great time and everything you do just turns to gold. There are all of those times, there are all of those times uh, in, uh, in leadership growth, in leadership times. So be patient, be patient. I want to say, in any affliction, if you look at it through the lens 
of what is God trying to do in me. So make it about you rather than about them. So even if their behaviour is reprehensible, even if their behaviour is wrong, even if their behaviour is terrible, what is this teaching me? What is God doing in me? And I want to say that you will find that like eventually like you'll, it, it'll actually do something in you and you'll find your affliction last a shorter time. And I'm so impatient. You know, one of the things I learned, and it's helped me, because I'm reactionary. I can flare up quickly and, and be angry and, and those type of things. And I've learned, it's taken me till I'm almost 60 to learn it, right? But just be patient. So someone sends me something, I don't send that email back right then, right? I don't respond to that message right then. Because if I respond to it in my emotion, and it send, and it's like, oh, and then it's done, you know? And, you've, and you put a wall and you put a thing. And so I go, okay, I'm gonna wait till tomorrow morning. If I still feel as aggressive, if I still feel, then I might say something, but then by then I put it in words. And I wanna say, it's a good way to deal with anyone you're angry with, to be honest. Be patient. Don't react straight away, let time you know, one of the things that we do, and this is a, a little marriage tip, we have this saying, I've probably said it before, but it's, I'm just going to say it again now. Uh, we say to each other, so how are we going? And when we say that to each other, that's a little sin signal that we can say whatever we want to the other person, and the other person is going to take that as if it's true. Right? We're going we're gonna to take that as if it's, it's right. So I'm going to do something, but I may not agree with that, but I'm not going to get defensive. Nina says something to you, I'm not going to, well, that's not true. Last Tuesday night at 7.13, I did that, so you're wrong. Right? I don't, I, I don't do that. I go, okay, that's how you feel. So I'm going to take it regardless whether I agree with it or not. I'm going to take it as if that's how you feel. That's how you are. So I am now going to take it, my responsibility to help you not feel that. So we do that. But because we do that on a regular basis, what can happen is that something can happen to me on Tuesday night and I'm ticked with Nina. Right? And I want to, how dare you walk out in the middle of my preaching? Right? Like, you know, like I can be so mad and, and so really want to just, and that, but, go, but you know what? On Thursday or Wednesday or whenever, Monday we're going to talk, I'll bring it up then. And it's amazing how often when I get to that day or that night, I, it's not there anymore. I don't, the, the, the heat's gone out of the kitchen. The, the malice of what I was feeling, the hurt, the insecurities, things that were, were poked in me aren't poked as much again. And so I think it's the same. When, when something happens to you and your first reaction is, Rah! just be patient in affliction. Take a step back. Allow some time and then you'll find something happen. Faithful in prayer. There are times you need to go to God before going to the person and going through whatever it is. Go to God. Go to God. That's, we have to do that. Be faithful in prayer. One of the things that has helped me is my daily relationship. Just, I can go to God and I can tell Him how I feel. He already knows how I feel anyway. So go to God before you go to someone else. And then when you do, when you go to that person, you'll go with a strategy. You'll go with a heart of love. You'll go with a heart of reconciliation. But go to that person. Don't go to their leader. Don't go to all their friends. As Jesus said in Matthew 18, you got something against someone, go to that person. But before you go to them, go to God. And when you approach that person, you approach them in such a better way. Goes on and says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Is it your practice? Practice hospitality. When was the last time you did something hospitable for someone here at church? Do you look for needs in people who are in our church? Or are you here to just only receive rather than just give? Practice hospitality. When was the last time you asked someone from church to do something with you? 
And that's why being part of one of the smaller groups is so important. You know, like if you've got a musical talent, join the music team. If you're wanting to, you've got a bit of a, a tech head, join the, the, the technical team. Go to a life group. Start to go to a youth group. Start to go to something of, of the men or of the women of the Coffee Connect. Join yourself with other people and all of a sudden you'll start to hear their story. All of a sudden you'll start to hear this circumstance and, well, I, I could do something about that. I could do something about that. And it's why being part of a big church is good, but when we make that church smaller by attaching ourselves in smaller areas, it just makes life a whole lot better. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. There are contrary people in this world. Some people are just jerks, right? I don't work with them, but you might, right? So... uh, There's some people in this church that aren't going to be your cup of tea. They're not going to be the type of people that you would generally want to be with and hang around and they don't like the things that you like and you like the things they don't like and all those different things. But no one is a jerk to God. God has never woken up and gone, yeah, she's a jerk. Uh, Yeah, he's a jerk. No, it's never happened. It's never happened. And it will never happen. Yeah. And I want to say, once sometimes, see, I've taught myself these little exercises and they just helped me. So when I meet someone who is a jerk and go, yes, that's jerky. And if I were to tell you what they did or didn't do, yes, you would agree with me, jerk. <laughs> but what happens is I make up my mind and I think of that person. It's always been another church, never at a merge, by the way. Right, um, So I make up my mind and I literally see that person and I see God looking at that person and I see God with a smile on his face. And I think that no matter what they've done, how jerky they've been, no no matter how wrong they've been, no matter how imbecilic I think they are, God doesn't think that way. God loves them. And it's incredible how almost immediately, like the turning on like a light switch, how it changes. And you can do that with people who are not Christians or who aren't Christians. You can just go, God loves them. Who am I to have an attitude towards them? And I promise you, if you do that little exercise, it'll help you. Think of someone right now that, right? Like God loves that person. God loves that person. I just always amazed at how quickly my attitude changes. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. When something good happens for someone else, be happy. Don't sit there and look at it. Well, that didn't happen for me. That's not fair. I still hate my job and Jason prayed for me, right? Let's be rejoiced with that person who got something out of their prayer time. Rejoice with someone who was blessed. Rejoice with someone who was asked to do something that you would have been like to do. Rejoice, be happy for that person. But then mourn with someone who's mourning. Sometimes we don't like it when someone's going through a difficult time. And so we we want them to be happy. But it's hard for them. So let's mourn with them. You know, when someone dies, the people who are close to that person that, their grief goes on for a long time, right? Their, their grief is daily. I, I, I think of Faye, Faye's here today. She was married to Frank for 62 years, so, so 59 years. She was married to him, and then this year, Frank died. Now, we could sit there and go, oh, don't, don't talk to Faye about Frank. You know, this poor old, poor old Faye, she doesn't want to be. She wants to be reminded of Frank because Frank is who she loved. Frank is who she's done her life with. It's not a bad feeling. I remember saying to my mum once, she told me, I always dream of your dad. I go, oh, that must be horrible. She goes, no, it's great. It's like, I'm with my dad. I'm with your your dad. I'm with your dad. And sometimes when we, in a kind, loving way, just put our arm around someone and let them get some of their feelings out and allow them to grieve and allow them to mourn, it's so cathartic to them. 
They're able to, to, to be with someone. Sometimes we wanna, oh no, we want them to just be in victory. We want you to be smiling. I know it was a terrible time, but we want you just to be smiling. No, get around side them and just go, we'll love you. We'll walk with you. And you're gonna have your good days and you're gonna have your bad days and we're just gonna be with you in it. We're gonna mourn with you. Live in harmony with one another. Really is a decision, isn't it? We're going to have all different opinions. We, we could get a fight going in this church right now over vax, anti-vax. Oh, we can get a big fight. We can have a fight going in here in five seconds. Live in harmony with one another. Allow someone to have a different opinion than yours. You know, if I get to heaven and I find out I'm right about all the doctrines that I think that I'm right about, I'm going to be really disappointed. Right, like I'll fight you about them today and argue and toss and rah, 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 but I don't have to be right. I don't have to be right. Last week I was certain about this, next week I'll be certain about that. So why would I fight you over it all, right? People can have different opinions and we need to be able to do that so we live in harmony with one another. Now there's obvious things and you know what I mean, like, Jason goes around punching youth kids, right? We'll probably have a chat to him. We'll probably say, nah, that's not right, right? We'll probably read the scripture. Live in harmony, Jason, right? In Corinthians, the Apostle Paul rebukes the church because people in the church were taking other people in the church to court. That's pretty, you've got a bit of disunity if that's going on, right? If people in the church are taking other people in the church to court. And he says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 7, he goes, why wouldn't you let yourself be wronged rather than bring out the shame? And I, I love that attitude. I think almost the sign of maturity in Christianity is your inability to be offended, is your inability to, to kind of take up your rights. You're, you're, you're sitting there and go, okay, I'd rather be wronged. Paul, when he's talking to Timothy, he says, what credit is it to you if you're beaten for your faults? If you're beaten for, for what you deserve to what you've done wrong? But he goes, but if you're beaten for what's not your fault, then that's of credit to you. You're actually building up a credit in the bank of heaven. Why not let yourself be wronged? It's very hard. It's very hard at times. But why not let yourself be wronged? That's really is the the measure of all unity. If my needing to take up rights infringes you, then why would I just give up my rights so that you can, you know, with you can live the way that you want to in the right sense? Don't just take up your rights. If, if, we, if the church really had that, I can, I can be wronged. I'm going to allow myself to be wronged in these different things. I don't have to take up my rights. See, we, it's, it's our society tells you, take up your rights. It's your right. I'm going to stand my right. I'm going to march on my right. It's our right. But in the church, I give up my rights so that you can be preferred. Yeah. If the church really had that with one another, there'd actually be very little disunity. goes on, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited. I think we do this well in the church. I don't think we kind of laud some people this and that. You got a, this car, that car, you got this, that. I don't think we do that. I think that we're willing to accept pretty much anyone here at the church. You don't have to be in a certain income strata or this and that. We want everyone. That's how I want this church to be. I have literally no barriers. You want to come? You want to come. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Unity depends on you. It's actually not the other person. Unity depends on you. Now it says there, there are some things that you just can't live with that you need to speak to. And that's fine. You can do that. As I said, go to God, go to the person, deal with it. But unity does deal with you, upon you. 
Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Unity is an action, just as disunity is an action. Unity is, is something that you do. You, you decide to unify. So if your enemy is hungry, if your enemy isn't going so well, unity says, I'm going to feed him. Instead of just walking away, instead of just kind of being, ah, that guy, I am going to do something. I'm not going to try and get my revenge. I'm not going to try and get my justification. I'm going to allow God to deal with the situation and I'm going to stand outside of it. And I want to say that the need for payback is actually very primitive. It's what the most primitive of societies find themselves doing, right? That family did this to our family. Now our family is going to get that and do this to their family. Well, now that family's done that to us. So our family are now going to get together and we're going to come again. Or we're going to get our family now and we're going to come and pay back, pay back, pay back. And then what happens in the most primitive of societies, when something negative happens, they do it. Oh, it's because those people over there did something to me. And so now if I'm going to get my revenge. And all it does is bring disunity. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? Help your enemy rather than get your revenge. Get your justification. Yeah. It's difficult when you know you've been in the right and you're not seen to be in the right, to actually not want to be in the right. It's easy to, to when you've been wrong, to want to get that, defend yourself. But it's not wise. It's not the way of unity. Love is an action. Payback mentality keeps you in the spot of the incident. Whatever it was that they did to you, you stay there and you don't grow. You stay in that place. You are tied to that spot. Not having that need to be right, not having that need for justification, not having that right to take your revenge releases you, cuts it and gets you walking into your future so you don't become defined by an incident. Maybe the band could come. So when we had emerge, put these scriptures into practice, we will see a move of God because unity commands a blessing. Our job is to bring the unity. God's job is to bring the blessing. See, the world chews people up and just spits them out. Do you look good enough? Are you rich enough? Do you got all these things happening for you? And, and it has no real answers. You just gotta measure up before you are anything. But as at a church, we're not like that. Everyone we love. Everyone has a place. Everyone is accepted. Everyone is walking their walk and their journey in the direction of walking to God. So we're gonna extol the goodness of God and love and accept one another and then we will go forward. And I was thinking, how do I bring this message to a close? And uh, I think there's the obvious way. If you've got something with someone, just forgive them right now. All right, do what I said before. See that person. But that, that's an obvious and We'll pray that. But this is the thought that I had. Is that today, start again on your work, on your walk in unity. So you may have made some judgment, the church is like this, the church is like that, rah, 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 rah. Start again and say the church is God's house. The church is God's idea. The church was established by Jesus and I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna put aside some of the negative things that have happened and I am gonna now start to walk in unity. I'm going to start to walk in lifting one another up. I'm going to start to walk in preferring one another. I'm going to start to walk in living in joy, faithful in prayer, a patient in affliction. I'm going to start to walk in a unified manner and, and start again. 
So with every eye closed, I'm just gonna pray right now. Father, as I said before, I don't actually think we have an issue with unity. I think we're unified, oh God. I think we don't have factions, oh God. I don't think we prefer one group over another. I think everyone has their day in the sun, oh Lord. But Father, I pray, oh God, that we wanna stay that way. We wanna be a church that reflects You, oh God. Father, that shows Your heart, that shows who You are, oh Lord. That people, when they come in this place, would sense a love, they would sense an acceptance, oh Lord. Father, the, the Bible says, well, Jesus, You said that the world will know that we are Your disciples when we love one another. And Father, all disunity just tells the world it's no different than anywhere else. And Father, I pray in the Name of Jesus that where we need to forgive someone, where we need to start again with someone, we just decide to do that now. Father, within the church, oh Lord. Father, Lord, where we had a bad experience with, with something, we go, okay, I'm gonna start again. I'm gonna go back in that group. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust You, Lord. And I'm gonna pursue unity, oh God. Father, I believe our best days are ahead of us. And that, Lord, as we continue in unity, oh God, as we continue putting You, Your kingdom and, and God's people, oh God, ahead of ourselves, that, Lord, we are gonna go places, oh God. Yes, times will be uncomfortable. There'll be, there'll be things where we're challenged, oh God. But Father, there'll be things that will grow us, grow us in maturity, oh Lord. Father, where we feel we have rights, let us lay them down, oh God. Father, for the greater good. And Father, I pray in the Name of Jesus, let the blessing of God be upon a merged church. In Jesus' Name, Amen.